Thanks for tuning in. We hope this message encourages and challenges you today. Now here's Pastor Steve Boyce. Uh, it's good to be in God's house. You know, we don't know, but well, we will when we get to heaven, we don't know how much God loves the church. He loves the church. He is, he is the one first and foremost for the church. I'll tell you one thing, a little bit of a side sermon here. Don't ever, ever speak bad about the church or church leaders, ever. Just shut your mouth. Don't say anything. Uh, and be very afraid to ever do that because I'm telling you something. God loves the church. He loves what you guys are doing. He is more excited about this move that you're getting ready to make. This is transition time. I'll tell you, it's another big miracle. It's another big miracle for this church. And you know what? Your, your, your journey in God is going to be just strewn with miracles. Milestone after milestone, miracle after miracle, you're going to look back through your history and you say, every single story, you're going to say, you know, here's the thing, and, and, and well, then it was miraculous. Let me tell you, what happened was a miracle. And, but I also believe that for your own personal life, too. So you're a part of a church that has miracle after miracle, and so therefore you get it on you too. It's part of your family, it's part of who you are, and you just see miracle after miracle take place in your life, and, and you get it. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is God. This stuff doesn't happen. This is miraculous, and this is God. But you, you guys have been faithful. You've built the church these three years, three plus years. But now you're getting ready to shift into a higher gear. I'm telling you, a miraculous gear. This is going to be an awesome thing for your family. This is going to be an awesome thing for this church. You're going to see it. This church is going to another level. And I'm not just saying that like it's some, some cool thing. No, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be warfare. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be thinking about this and talking about this for a hundred years to come. When God brought you out of the, the sojourning path where you've been every, in every school in the state of Massachusetts <laughs> to actually put down permanent roots and have a building and have a piece of land. And then I'll tell you something. I just can't tell you. I think God's going to do some miraculous things here in these next few years. <laughs> miraculous stuff. We bought our piece of property in Smithfield for $400,000 when we went and... and, and uh, finally broke out of the place where we were leasing for $400,000. It's more than I ever, 420, more than I ever heard anybody ever pay for a piece of land. I couldn't find another church or another pastor that I knew of that paid that much for a piece of land. I'm telling you, I was, I was, I was scared to death, but I knew it was God. And we paid $420,000 just for this 40 acres that was in receivership. It was in the bank in Shawmut Bank in, in Massachusetts in receivership, and we bought it out of that. But I can tell you, um, we had to have uh, the auditors come and do a, a review of the property. And they said, and, and this, is, this is going back a few years, it's worth way more now because the place is really getting developed. But they said the, pl- the place and the buildings were worth $16 million in Smithfield. It's the hand of God. I remember when we bought that piece of property, in, in, in just a year's time or like a year and a half's time, things popped up and down the street in, uh, on Route 7. And I, I believe that that's what's going to happen here in New Bedford. Things are going to pop. Things are going to begin to snap and break in the spirit realm. And I remember the uh, Providence Journal reporter called me and he said, the pastor of boys, uh, can I ask you, you have 40 acres of land right there on the cloverleaf and probably the hottest piece of real estate in all of, 
of Rhode Island is right now in that, in that Smithfield corridor. He said, uh, can I ask you, why should the church have probably the, the best piece of land in all of Rhode Island? Why should the church have it? I'm like, yeah, baby. It was, it was so cool because that was always our, our, our prayer. We, we want the best piece of land. Why should Benny's have a nicer piece of land than the church? How about sewing vac? They're right there on Route 44. Why should they have a better piece? And so that was our confession. But then as, as it started to stretch out, and then we, we couldn't buy this property, and then we couldn't get that one, then we couldn't get that. We, as we began to stretch out, pretty soon we were like, well, uh, you know, it maybe doesn't need to be the best. <laughs> we'll take that 30 acres down over the swamp through the woods, you know, to grandmother's house. But you know what? God had a different thing in mind, and he, he gave us his 40 acres, and this guy says it's the best piece of land on the Route 295 corridor. You betcha. And now when you go there, Fidelity's there, all kinds of insurance companies, Citizens Bank, uh, Navigant Bank, all these banks and insurance companies up and down the street. I'll tell you, you don't realize when God touches a place and says, I put my name there, like he did with David. When he touches a place, he puts his name there. There is a reverberate, there's a vibrating effect that happens out. Amen? There's a ripple effect that's going to happen. The blessings of God are on this place. Now, if I was the superintendent of schools, I'd call you guys up and say, no, no, hey, guys, you got to stay. The students are all straight A's. Come on, huh? Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about something big, because this is in the DNA of every human being that God puts in us. And, you, and when you hear people talk about this, they always talk about greatness. You know, we, you see the, um, the uh, Olympic athletes or, or uh, you know, NFL or you know, NBA finals. Now, when you see these different people, they always will tell you about greatness. I always knew God wanted me to do something big. You know, when we look at historical figures throughout the ages, they always talk about, I knew there was greatness in me. But can I tell you something? That's in every single human being. The devil tries to come and snuff it out of you. He tries to tell you you're nothing. You're never going to be anything. You better just sit down. Don't have any dreams. Don't have any confession. Shut your mouth. But God comes along and says, no, I put something big in you. And what's so awesome about the body of Christ is we get to do it together. But I just want you to know, you're around people that have a faith. They have a, they have a, they have a faith for the future. And that big thing in them that to do something giant for God is going to get on you too. And pretty soon you say, you know something, not only does God want to do something giant in me, he wants to do something giant through my kids. It's on them. I can see it on my kids. There's some greatness in these kids. Amen? It is the DNA of God that he puts in you and I that we would would stretch out for something. We would stretch out for it. Almost to the point where you're scared. You have to be scared every now and then to know you're alive. You realize that? You know when you're old, when you don't want to be scared anymore. I don't like that. So you drive down the road, you know, 40 miles an hour on, on 95. You're old. I don't want to be scared. You know, Travis Pastrana, he's, a, he's an extreme athlete. Anyway, he was going to do a backflip from uh, one, of the, one of the hotels in Las Vegas over the Caesars Fountain. There's a big fountain there. Over the Caesars Fountain and land on the roof of the ho- hotel, like across the street. But he wasn't just going to jump it on his motorcycle. 
he was going to do a backflip on his motorcycle and land on the other side. Now, this is crazy. This is the one that Evil Knievel tried to do or whatever. And uh, he crashed, broke every bone in his body. But they said to Travis Pastrana, aren't you scared? He said, yeah. But I like that feeling. I like that feeling. God wants you to be scared every now and then. Come on. God wants you to be challenged. He wants you to be stretched. He wants you to get out there. Amen? Because life is supposed to be miraculous. You're not supposed to be able to do life without God. See, people want to be able to do life without God. God says, no, 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 no. I created something in you so big, you'll never get it done without me. You're supposed to have God in this thing. And this church is getting ready to do something big. I'm just here to to tell you and to prophesy to you that this is not going to be little. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to be financial. But you know something? God has all the money in the world. It's not about, it's not about him. It's now about you. Are you, are you up for this? Do you, do you think God will back you on this? Or is God going to let you fail? Is God going to say, you know, you stretch out there for that offering. You're going to, you're going to dump. You're going to crash. It's going to be like Travis. You're going to be like evil. Can evil. It's not going to happen because God is for you and for big things and for giant things. Amen. You're not going to get out of this school and into a permanent place with a little sacrifice. It's going to be a big sacrifice. You're going to step up, but it's going to be, I'm telling you, it's going to be amen by God in heaven himself. He's with you. And, uh, you know, I, I'm over the fact now about uh, preaching about money. I, I don't feel funny about it at all because years ago, God dealt with me about preaching about money. And he, he says, if you will not tell the people what I'm asking you to tell them, I'll get somebody who will. I remember uh, I, we were doing our first big building fund push like you guys are getting ready to do now. And um, I, I was nervous about it. This was a time when there was a lot of weird stuff going on in the body of Christ in the nation. Um, you know, Jim Baker and all that, Tammy Baker stuff, stealing money and all that. And I had made a determination in the church. I had made a determination. I was not going to hound people about the offering. I wasn't going to hound them about money or tithing or any of that stuff. I wasn't going to mention it hardly. And so I, we would take the offering like this. Okay, um, we're going to take the offering and sing a song. And so let's sing a song and we'll pass the bucket. Uh, and so we sang a song. And because uh, I just knew I am not going to pressure people. It's going to be about Jesus, not about money. We're not going to hardly take it. We talk about the offering, nothing about the offering. But now we have to have a giant building fund. And I remember trying to calculate in my head. Let's see, the Smiths could give 500 I don't know if they, if the Joneses could give 500. And after I tallied all the different families of the church up, I came up so woefully short of anything we need. It was like, man, well, you're never going to get this done. You're never going to get this done. And so that weekend, I was getting ready to preach and, um, uh, and ask people to give financially and so forth. And I was a nervous wreck. It happened to be a men's retreat that, that very Saturday. And so we're there with all the men and so forth. And this thing is looming over me. I can't imagine what I'm going to say tomorrow at the sermon. And um, one of the guys that was there was very, very prophetic. In fact, now that I know him, you know, we've seen his life. He's an amazing prophet. But I didn't know him at the time. I met him there that day. And he said, Steve, I want you to come up here. I've got a prophetic word for you. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to get a prophetic word. And he begins to prophesy over me. For, yay, the Lord does. See, you're an awesome guy. You're a great dude. And you're blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm thinking, yeah, amen, amen. This guy is right on. He is right on. And he says, but you have an issue with money. And I thought, you're off, you're way off, way, way off. And I'm thinking, all my guys that are there with me in the men's retreat, because it was a way to retreat, all my guys know, they know, I don't even mention money. 
I never even talk about money. We hardly even take an offering. And, and he says, your problem is that you're afraid to talk about money. Because you've seen abuses in the body of Christ, you now are afraid to tell people the truth about money. And I thought, uh-oh, I'm getting nailed. <laughs> and, he, and, and, I, and I felt like he went on and said, you know, if, if you won't do this, if you won't step up and tell the truth when I need you to tell the truth, then what good are you? I need somebody who's not afraid of the faces of men to talk to people about the truth. And, and as much as the people have a bondage on them about finances and they're trapped by the devil, if you don't say something to set them free. Well, this whole thing was happening the hours before I was supposed to put this message to, together about fundraising. And so that night, I had that prophetic word, but I still was so worried about it, nervous and sweating. And it's 1 o'clock in the morning. I don't have one thing written down in my notes to, to preach tomorrow morning. I'm supposed to take this big fundraising thing with the Smiths. can only get 500. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I felt like God challenged me. And he said, he said are you blessed? And I said uh, to the Lord, I'm telling you, it was like he was in the room. I said, I am blessed, Lord, abundantly, beyond my wife and I. Our family is blessed. And he said, why are you blessed? I said, well, because I've sold out to you, God. I've given you everything. I've sold out to you. And he said, then why are you afraid to challenge the people to sell out? And it hit me. I instantly felt all the pressure leave. I'm telling you, I was like, I could have done a little dance in my prayer study there. I felt all the pressure. It's one o'clock in the morning. I wrote down on a little piece of napkin, sell out, exclamation point. Boom, went to bed. <laughs> I got up the next day. I went up to the, the thing with my Bible and that napkin. And I just started talking. And I, I, I just said, look, I'm going to talk to you today like I've never talked to you before. I repent before you because I've been, I've been soft-pedaling this whole thing about offering and money and finances and everything because of fear. And I just want you to know we, this ends today. We're not going to be awkward about this. We're going to talk what, we're going to say what the Bible says. And so I said, listen, this is how much money we need to raise, and it's you. You and me, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it, and it's going to be serious. And I, I, began to, I began to say this. They started cheering and I, I said, you look, if you have two cars, sell one. Now they're like, ah. if you were going to go on vacation, cancel it. Work that week, bring that offering in. And so I said, if you have a credit card, you max that thing out. I'll tell you, we were going crazy. And I'm telling you something, that day, we exceeded what we needed for the offering. And it was so necessary because we had to buy computers and printers and office furniture and all kinds of different things. We needed to outfit this, this new building. And we were able to do all of that. I'll tell you, we went in there. There was no pressure on you. The whole thing was paid for. It was awesome. But I want you to know something. It was a step out of that box of fear and into a place of freedom where we have never had any weirdness about money from that day until now. And I'll tell you something, church. It was on me. It was on me. Now, now, it's on other people. I, I, I guarantee you that's on other people. The Bible says that it's the God of money. The God. It is a God. It gets on people. It's something that they worship. They're very concerned about it. Everybody's trying to cheat everybody else. Everybody's trying to be greedy. Everybody's trying to save. Everybody's trying to figure. All that kind of stuff is going on because it's a God of money. Well, when you come into the house of the Lord, there's another God way bigger than the God of money 
And he wants you to know he's in charge, not that other little thing over there. And so we got set free. We got set free. Can I tell you something? The devil doesn't want the church to talk about finances. Because he wants to keep the church poverty stricken and poor. And if you look at the church, come on, can you agree with me? That's pretty much what's on the church. People are poor and broke. And they even took a vow of poverty. How many vow for poverty? I do, I do, I do, I do. I do. Well, you guys can all be priests. Just make sure you tell everybody else. You know, we're all poverty stricken. The church can't do hardly anything. We can't get out of our own way. I remember one time um, I went to do this radio show. And I was, I was on there, and the, and, the, and the guy who owns the radio station came out. And he said, hey, do you guys need a couch for your church? I'm thinking, yeah, we'll put one in the, in the green room or whatever. And he says, there's one down the street on the corner. The people are throwing it out. You guys should go down there and get that. I said, uh, so in other words, these people are throwing a couch out because it's not good enough for their house. But you want us to take it and bring it to the church. Come on, no wonder we're in trouble here. We, we have a mentality that God is broke. And the, and the men's room should be broke. And the chairs should be broke. And this pulpit should be broke. Wait, it is broke. <laughs> Pastor Marco, come on. Next time I come, I'm bringing my adjustable wrench. I'm going to fix this thing. But I'll tell you, I believe God's hand is on you for a grace right now to break out and to bring New Bedford with you. To bring New Bedford with you. These spirits are strong, but they're not stronger than the Spirit of God. You know, the funny thing about God is he always loves a fight. He loves a fight. You read in Judges chapter 3. The Bible says God left some of the enemy in the land so that the Israelites would learn how to fight. They would learn how to do warfare. God loves a fight. You think God is, is, is peace-loving. But he actually is walking around a neighborhood saying, hey, you, you want some of this? But he's looking for somebody else to stand with them. And so as soon as we begin to talk like that, you know, the enemy shows up at your door. Knock, 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 knock. And I, it's like I would go to the front of the church Go to the front of the church. Hello, who is it? Poverty. Oh, you're here to get your, a can of butt whooping. Going to open up a can of butt whooping on you. Yeah. Poverty is here to get kicked out. Amen? It no longer is the big dog on the block. Because there is a house of God and a people of God that are not bound by that thing and know how to say it. Amen? They know how to speak it over their house and over their kids and over their job and over their car. Driving some bombed out, flea-bitten piece of junk, half, three tires are flat on it to church. Pray over that thing. Get it, get it exercised. Get it delivered. But why? Because, because people are okay with poverty. And I'll tell you something, we're not okay with it. We're not okay with it. So the devil's not going to make us feel funny about talking about the house of God should be awesome. And I, I, I pray that the house of God is awesome. Can you say amen? amen. You know, um, it, it's a funny thing. When people talk to me about, about the church, 
that sometimes they talk in terms of what they think the church should be. I want to hear what, what God says it should be. And if you read about David, David said the house of God should be majestic. It should have splendor on it. It should be an awesome place. I pray that this building has a mark of God on it, that it is a landmark in the community, that everybody starts to talk about it. And I pray that there is a a hand of God on that building where when people walk through the doors, they instantly begin to feel the presence and the power of deliverance and liberty as they start to come into that house. I pray your kids have it. I pray your kids can't get enough of going to church. They're going to church all the time, and they love it. The young people going to church, it's an awesome thing. And, 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 and God wants us to not be afraid of what it means to sacrifice. Amen? So I stopped talking about generosity. I mean, it's wonderful to be generous, and we want to be a generous people, be generous with the cousins and the aunts and the uncles and so forth. But when it comes to God, we're going to be sacrificial in our giving. We're going to rise up and be sacrificial. This is going to cost us something, but that's okay. Because you know something? This is not going to take a, 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 a little sacrifice. This is going to take a big sacrifice. In order to do something big, you've got to have a big sacrifice. But can I tell you something? The angels are posted and ready to get to work in New Bedford, get to work in this region. They are ready to get to work. But they're looking for a church full of warriors that say, count me in. Amen? We're going to do this together. You know, warriors get along with other warriors. Losers get along with other losers. I mean, I'm saying that theologically. That's a theological term there. Losers, they're always losers. They, you know, so what are we doing and how much are they going to do? What are we doing? Why wouldn't we just get that indoor-outdoor carpet? You know, why wouldn't we just, why, wouldn't, why, why are they doing that? Why can't we just sweep that ourselves? Can't, can't. That, that, that's how a loser talks. Amen? But, but winners and people that, that say, you know something, God, God's given me a faith to believe that he wants to do some awesome things, some mighty things. Now, I'm not talking about opulence. I'm not talking about you guys need to have a gold grand piano in the lobby that Liberace comes by and plays every now and then. You don't need that. You don't need that. But you also don't need to have some broke-down, poverty-stricken mentality either. In Mark, the 10th chapter, it says this, chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus said this to the disciples, I'll tell you the truth. This is truth. Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will, we f- will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, fields, and with them persecutions. There's going to be a fight. But what's interesting about this verse right here, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one who has left this stuff for my sake will, re- will not receive a hundred times as much in this present age. In this present age. Can you see this with me? Can you see this with me? That, that God, the Lord here, is not afraid to say, I'm a rewarder. Sometimes people are afraid to say that about Jesus or about giving. You know, well, I'm not doing this just to get any kind of... But the Lord says, no, but if you do, I will reward it. I will reward it. The Lord is not afraid of saying, I'm a rewarder. I'm a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. I'm a rewarder of them that have laid their lives down for me. Amen? And so this this verse is so awesome that that we have to understand something. Sacrifice is something you lay down for the Lord, but the Lord says a hundred times as much for you in this present age and in the age to come, eternal life. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, when we look into the Old Testament, we see uh, the children of Israel trying to go into the promised land. 
And we see 10 spies that came back and says, there's giants in the land. I don't know if I would go in. It doesn't look like it's good. We shouldn't do it. Two spies of the 12 said, no, no, we can take the giants. We can beat the giants. When, when you and I look at that story, we always see ourselves as being one of the two spies, don't we? We, we always see ourselves as being Joshua and Caleb. No, no, I, I, I would be on their side. Why wouldn't they go in? They got God on their side. Just kill the giants. The ten spies were saying, we're going to have to lay everything on the line. I just don't know if now's the time. I just don't know if this is good. When we look at this from this side of history, we know, come on. God is going to blow down the walls of Jericho. God is going to put a spirit of power on you guys. You're going to sh- everybody in the booths, the Bible says, in that entire region was shaken in their boots because Israel was, was coming. See, when we, when we read the Bible from this side, but on that side over there, it was their moment, and they started getting shook. I'll tell you something. Now is your moment. This is your moment to not be shook and to know God has got a promised land that he wants to give us, and the promise is there. Now, those Israelites went in there, and they displaced all the pagan worship with the righteousness of God. This is what God wants to do, but he's looking for a church. He's looking for a people that won't back down. Can you say amen? You know, here's the reality of it. It's not going to take $500, you know. I don't care. I'll give, I'll give any. I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give a hundred. I'll give, right, honey? It won't take a hundred. I remember one time the, the Lord was dealing with me about taking an offering for the, for the poor people in the, uh, in the region. And he, 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 I, start, I started weeping. I started weeping for the poor. And I remember saying, God, I'm going to commit um, a giant offering to, to this. I forget what it was. It was feed the children, I think. I'm going to commit a giant offering to feed the children. I said, I don't care. I, I, I'm thinking 5,000. And I heard the Lord. I said, God, not 10,000. Not 10,000. Like the churches, we don't have any money in the bank. Not 10,000. And I, I felt with the Lord like, that's when all the blood drained out of my face. And I said, 25,000, God? 25? I felt with the Lord say, if you want to do what it is I have for you, you need to sow a bigger seed than that. And that's when I said, you're not saying $100,000 to feed the children, are you, Lord? And the Lord said, you, you speak it. Speak it tomorrow. And I went up in front of the church, and I said, listen, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stretch out for the poor. And I began to cry. I began to weep for the poor. And I said, we're not going to do a little thing. I said, the Lord laid on my heart, today we're going to take an offering for $100,000. And people were crying in the church. I said, get out an envelope. Get out something. We're not going to wait. We're not going to talk about it for a long time. We're doing it today. I want to do it today. And do you know $100,000? It was a supernatural. There weren't that many more people than what we see right in here. In that one week, just in one sermon for the poor, a hundred grand came in. Because when God says, I will back you. And you know, what, you know what God said? And I believe that this is the case. This is the case right now here for you guys. When you're going to raise this $320,000, you need a bigger seed. You need a bigger harvest to come in than just a little tiny seed. So sometimes we think, you know, I'll give $100. I'll give 500 You need to talk to the Lord and see if God doesn't put that little bit of a, 
a fright in you. Oh, man. Oh, baby. But, but, but when you see God back you on that, when you see the miraculous come into your life, you say, you know, you always remember. See, that I remember that time where God caused us to give that giant offering, and that is why I believe, and you'll have the miracle testimonies to go from there. Can you say amen? I think God wants to do some miraculous things with us. He wants to do some miraculous things with us. And can I tell you something? Finances is never about math. It's always about faith. It's not about math. God works with fuzzy math. How many know God has all the money? That, that people think, you know, if, if, if only Bill Gates would get saved, how much good he could do. Bill doesn't have as much money as God does. Bill doesn't have it. God has a, 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 enough just in the wallet. I mean, he doesn't even have to go to the cash machine. He... Uh, uh, isn't that true? Come on, God has all the money in the world. I wanted to teach my son one time about what, it, what, what God is like and when, what giving is like. And so I had this little experiment. I opened up this brand new bag of family bag of potato chips, a big giant family bag of potato chips. And I took out all these fresh, nice Lay's potato chips. And I, and I put them in Jordan's hand. And I said, now, Jordan, and then I put the bag, a family bag behind me. And I said, Jordan, I want you to give your sister whatever potato chips you want to. Whatever potato chips that you want to give her, you can give her. So he looks down at all of, you know, that I gave him, and he takes his little tiny scrawny, you know, burnt up <laughs> one, and he gives it to her. I said, now, is that what you wanted to give her? That's out of your heart. That's what you wanted to give your sister? So my son's not dumb, but he, anyway, he's like six years old at the time. He looks down and he says, mm. so he takes another little scrawny one out. He gives her two. So I said, that's what you wanted to give her? That's what you wanted to give. That's in your heart to give her that. And then I hold the family bag out like this. I said, remember, remember who holds the bag? And I put it back behind me. I tell you, my son looked at me, he looked at my daughter, and he gave her all the chips. And I took the family bag out, I opened up my hand, and I replaced. I want you to know something. God has a family bag size of potato chips. He just wants to see what do you want to give? What do you want to give? What's in your heart to give? Remember now, he has the cattle on a thousand hill. He can supply every single need that you have. Can you say amen? And then when you, when you, when you break out of that thing, that fear yourself, you're going to be able to break others out as well. I'll tell you something, uh, 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 doing something big is going to take a big sacrifice. You guys are going to sacrifice, it's going to be big, but it's going to be awesome. And from here on out, you're going to have the, the blessings of God on your life. You're going to have the mir- miraculous of God. Now let me just tell you, when you move into this new building, here's what this new building is going to be, and you'll be there shortly, before, before you can know it, you'll be there. This new building is going to open up all kinds of awesome things. I mean, cars will be there day and night. It'll be a hub of activity day and night. When we moved from the lease facility into our permanent facility, it was awesome. No longer are you sojourners, but now you have your own place. You go there, the kids are there, the the husbands are there, the, the women are there, the young people are there, concerts are there, meetings are there, team night is there. It is an awesome thing. Electricity is there, favor is there. It is an awesome thing. And so this is what the language is going to begin to sound like. Somebody's going to say, where are the kids? They're down the church. The kids are down the church. This is going to come into your language now. Where are the kids? 
I, I left them at the church. They haven't done a special thing. You know, you know, where, where's my husband? Oh, he's with my husband. They're down the church. I'll tell you something. You know how many women would love to hear that their husband's down at the church? And he's with the other husbands that are down the church and being blessed. Where, where, where are the young adults? It's Friday night. Where are the young adults? Are, are, are they at this, this club or that club? Are they riding around with some person they shouldn't be? Are they, are they at the street corner? Where are the young adults? They're down at the church. They're down at the church. I just want you to know, if you have a 15-year-old, 16-year-old son, and you can say he's down at the church, you, cannot, you, you don't have enough money to pay for something so awesome to say, be able to say that. Amen? Your daughter, 17 years old, where is she? She's down at the church. I'll tell you something. Young people overrunning the church, overrunning the church, down at the church. I'll tell you something. You would pay. You know something else, too? We're the young people. They're not addicted. We're the young people. They're not in jail. We're the young people. They're not hanging on the street corner. We're the young people. They're not pregnant. Come on, where are the young people? How much we, we pay to say our young people are at the house of the Lord? What are they doing? It's 2 a.m. What are they doing? Uh, they're filling up like 5,000 Easter eggs with candy. We got this big thing coming up. You got a block party that's coming up there down at church, 2 a.m. You're getting all this thing ready. <laughs> I tell you, you get ready. It is going to be an awesome victory for you guys. But you got to step up. Now is the time. you got to step up. you got to believe that God is going to use you to do something mighty. Not something little. I just want you to know, $100 isn't going to do it. we got to step up. you got to step up. I can't tell you how many times, you know, Nancy and I would, would step up and just say, hey, we're going to give. I remember, I remember the first offering I gave was $2,500. We had no money. We were saving money for, to put a down payment on a house. That's the only money we had. And um, I remember... Making a deal with God. Lord, I, your house first. Your house first. I can't tell you the miraculous unfolding of what happened after that, where we ended up getting the most beautiful piece of land with this giant chunk of cash to be able to build a beautiful house on it, all because of miraculous coincidences, one that happened after another that happened after another. And when we tell people the story, they can't believe it. I could tell you so many stories that have happened to us that you can't believe. But I know that God wants that to be your story as well. You know, uh, when people come sometimes to the Smithfield campus, pastors come to the Smithfield campus, they look around and they say, you know something, um, your, your, your people are well off. But that's not really the case. The, really what the case is, there is a well-off spirit here. We, we're done with the spirit of poverty. We kick that thing out. We're no longer subservient to that thing. When people come to the, to the Smithfield campus, they are broken. They are, they are under poverty. They are addicted. They are all these different things. But they come into something that has already been broken off of the people, been broken off of the pastor, and they are able to step into that thing that's freedom. Amen? That same thing has to happen in this city. Amen? And I'll tell you, from this day forward, from this day forward, this is a, this is a momentous occasion, but from this day forward, you guys are all going to say, I was there at the beginning I was there at the beginning when we laid it out and we sacrificed. I helped build that place. I helped build that place. 
You're going to be 100 years old telling your grandchildren, I helped build that place. And Pastor Marco thinks he's so fancy, but I helped build that place. <laughs> People that leave the church angry, 25 years later, they'll be saying, oh, man, you see what's going on in New Bedford? Now they're doing this. Now they got another campus. They got this going. They got that going. They got... You know what they're going to say? I helped build that place. Yeah, but remember you left five years later with all kinds of weird stuff you were saying? <laughs> Never mind that. I helped build that place. You guys, this is historic. You're going to say, I helped build that place. We're at the ground floor right now. We're at the ground floor. Come on, I could prophesy, but so could you. There's going to be multiple services. There's, you're going to be multiple expansions, multiple buildings that you're going to purchase. Come on, this is the ground floor. I could prophesy it, but so could you. So could you. Can you say amen? This is just the beginning. God has so much more for this city. You're not here just for you and your family. I tell you, God wants to rescue this city. He wants to rescue this region. The whole South Coast, God has a plan for this area. And you're it. You're it. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. The whole South Coast. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to tell you one story, and then I want to show you a video. Many years ago, only because I want to tell you this, look, life is going to change. Life is going to change for you. Because, because there is going to be, I love that, that, uh, that web address, the nucleus. There's going to be a nucleus. There's going to be a central uh, power uh, surge here. The church is going to take on this awesome thing. But, but it's going to become a, a life-giving source for you where you're going to say, this is awesome, this is life. But I remember um, when we were building the building and we had on this uh, sheetrock that went all the way around the outside of the building before you put up the stucco and all that stuff, you have to put up this uh, yellow sheetrock. You'll see it in the video here. But we, it couldn't, we couldn't let it get wet and there was a storm coming in. It was the night before Christmas Eve um, and it was like in the teens. It was like 17 degrees out. And it was the night before. A lot of the men that were working on the building had gone home at 8, 9 o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock at night. It was dark. And uh, me and Pastor Mike were there. We were both on big scissor lifts outside the building. And we were trying to get the plastic to cover the, the, this backside of the building. But the rest of the building pretty much was done. We just had to get the backside covered. And so we're putting up ferron strips with, the, with these screws that go all the way through and hit the metal stud. And uh, putting up these ferron strips to, to hold the plastic on the building. And every now and then, the wind would begin to kick up and then would go... And, and blow all the ferron strips, like four or five of them would pop off the building and, and the plastic would puff out like this. And we'd have to go back down and get the ferron strip, bring more back up and then hurry and try to screw, screw it together before this next puff of wind that would come. And I kept praying, God, aren't you the guard of the wind? You know, can't somebody say, you know, peace be still or something up there? So, so and it's getting later and later and later. It ends up being 2 a.m. in the morning when we were finally finished. But I remember when we were finally put in those last screws, I I feel like God said to me, remember this, because this is a milestone in life. And I felt like it was an altar, like an altar call right there, that you are my son. You've laid it all on the line. There's nobody here to see you. There's nobody here to give you accolades. There's nobody here to say, attaboy, or well done. All by yourself, your hands are freezing cold. Your face is freezing cold. It's 2 a.m. in the morning. 
and you're hanging on the side of the house of God before this thing has been built. I'll tell you, it's what life is made of. It's what life, it's what you end up, it's in the fiber of your being. So now when my son is 16 years old and I say, listen to him, listen to me, son. I'm going to tell you a piece of wisdom here and I want you to hear me. I'm not just saying words, but there's something that's on me. I was the one hung on that bill. I don't have to say that to him, but it's on me. And, and I could give you 30 years of stories of sacrificing and laying your life down and being there for God. Whether or not anybody sees it or not, it's on you. It's on you. When I preach to you today, I'm not just saying words. I'm saying to you from somebody who is hung on the side of a building. And it matters. It matters. Amen? I'm not talking to you about backbone. I have backbone. I'm not talking about your spirit. I've been there, and it is awesome. It, but it needs to get on you so that when you talk to your 16-year-old, it's more than just words of a church person. You actually are a warrior in the kingdom of God, and you can tell. This is your moment. It's an awesome thing. God wants you to do something big. You're going to do something big for this region. You're going to do something big for the kingdom of God. Next week, we're going to take an offering, and I pray it's exceedingly, abundantly beyond what you could ask or think. I pray that God does miraculous things for each one of you, that you don't talk yourself out of it and and not show up next week or whatever it is. I pray that God has, he stretches you out, and then he has the miracle story for you in the future. Amen? I I pray that you're going to break this poverty thing off of you and off of this entire region. For me and for my house, I want to be free from that thing. Can you say amen? I want to show you this video. And what was so cool about this, we built this church, all the men of the church, and the men of the church are going to be busy here for the next, you know, six, eight months or whatever. It's going to be an awesome thing. But everybody, your kids, everybody's going to be involved in it. The women are going to be praying. You guys are going to be fasting, praying for this thing. You're going to see the, the building over there start to transform, and then it's exciting. Every week there's a new thing, you know. Hey, we got in, we got in the toilets. Yay! You know. But what it did for us is it brought us so close together. It brought the men so close together. It, 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 you know, it created, let me tell you something, it created pillars of strength in God's house. Pillars, men and women, pillars of strength in God's house. And that's what's going to happen to you. So anyway, I want you just to check out this video. It's when we were building the house of the Lord and how powerful and how anointed it is going to be for the rest of your life. You're going to have this in your history. And you know what happens to you? You get on you the spirit of being unstoppable. God wants you to be an unstoppable church. He wants you to be an unstoppable church. And he wants you to get around other people that feel like they're unstoppable too. Your Christianity is not little. It's not weak. It's not always broke. It's unstoppable. You're with people, men and women of faith. You believe you can do anything that God has told you to do. There's no reason why you can't do the miraculous because you're unstoppable. That spirit gets on you. It gets on your house. It gets on your kids. It gets on your speech. It gets on your future. It gets on your job. Come on, it gets on your finances. This unstoppable thing that God wants to do right now is the time where we do it, where we stand up and we say, count me in, Lord. I want to be a part of this unstoppable move of God that's beginning right now. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've called us, God, to this moment in time and history in this place. Lord, you have mantled us, God, with this great work 
But God, you've given us the strength and the ability to do it. I pray, God, put it in our hearts. Put it in our speech, Lord. Give us vision, Lord, to see what this whole thing is going to look like a year down the road, two years down the road. I pray, God, we would be an unstoppable church in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we announce the unstoppable church of Almighty God has come to New Bedford, Lord, and we are here to stay. We are here to change this region. We are here to be used mightily of God. Let the warriors of God begin to arise now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church. And everyone said amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information on New Life and all of our campuses, log on to www.atnewlife.org.